0: hello everybody welcome to another episode of the mental golf show as always this is your host josh nichols on today's episode let's get right into it we are going to use a dirty word if you saw the title you know what that word is don't worry it's not a real dirty word your kids can still listen what should you think if you're shanking it on the range Alright, I know that's a bad word, I'm not supposed to say that word, but as you should know by now, from listening to the show, exposing your fears, communicating them, and getting them out is the best way to fight them. I've learned that in my own experience over and over and over again. Communication is key to just about everything in life, it seems like. So, let's expose what you're going through, or may go through someday soon. So you're hitting it terrible on the range. This can be a moment of feeling lost, lonely, and in most cases, all-out panic. If it's going bad enough to have zero clue of where the ball is going on the range, then there will be a flurry of emotions going through your head. And I know I'm posing this as a hypothetical, you know, what if you're shanking it on the range? What if you're hitting it terrible on the range? But hitting it bad on the range... Or in your pre-round warm-up, or just in general, hitting it bad isn't an if, it's a when. And it might even be a right now. You will have bad range sessions. And even more so, you will have stretches of bad golf. We all know this to be true. So you need to be prepared to handle it. That's a major reason for why I do this podcast, to help you build an awareness for what will most likely happen in the future and to give you some tools for how to handle what you notice through your better self-awareness. So podcast helps you be self-aware, you notice what you're struggling with, podcast gives you tools to handle what you notice with your better self-awareness. So what should you think in this scenario? What should you think if you're hitting it terrible on the range? I want to point out two key emotions that will arise for most people in this scenario and how you should respond to each emotion. So we're going to go through two emotions and some tools to handle each of those emotions. The first emotion that will most likely arise is frustration. You probably saw this one coming. I use this word a lot. Frustration. How do we define frustration? It's defined as the feeling of being upset or annoyed, especially because of inability to change or achieve something. Sounds about right, doesn't it? I think what it shows when you're frustrated on the range is that you don't have a super clear vision of what you need to work on. If you're hitting it bad and getting mad that you're hitting it bad and desperately trying to figure out how to hit it good right this very minute of course you're going to get frustrated. This, this spiral is going to cause you to endlessly struggle. But on the contrary, if you had something very specific to work on, it wouldn't matter how you're hitting it in this moment. Yes, of course, you'd prefer to be hitting it well, but hitting it well right this second isn't the primary objective. I think we would all agree that shooting good scores is the primary objective. So... If shooting good scores is the primary objective, then as we learned in the episode what to think if you haven't practiced in weeks, your effort needs to match your objective or your goal or your expectation. Your effort needs to match that. So, what would be a matching effort to go along with your objective of shooting lower scores? Hitting it well right this very second would not be it. Again, it would be nice... But let's, take a, let's, let's do a thought experiment. If a genie, a magic genie said, I will grant you a lower handicap by 10 shots on, on the day after six months from now. I, I will automatically lower your handicap by 10 shots in six months. But in order to do that, you must hit range balls every day between now and then. And you will struggle and hit it terrible every single day until then i'm willing to bet that most of us would actually agree to this <laughs> agree to this deal you you would automatically lower your handicap by 10 shots in six months but you're going to struggle every single day between now and then i think we would all agree to that as uh, as painful and awful as that sounds i think we would all agree so then if that's true And some of you might disagree, but I think most of us would. Let's take that as true, so then we know that we would put up with a struggle if it meant reaching our primary objective. And I know this is a fantastical example, but in a way, it reflects reality. You're going to have to fight through hitting it worse now in order to get where you want to be in the future. There's really no way around that. Sometimes... You can go to a swing lesson and you're you're hitting it better immediately because uh, you got a good swing instructor and the swing fix was relatively simple, like a setup or or something like that, maybe a grip change. But for the most part, there's really no way around struggling now in order to get to a better position in the future. Every golf journey that ended up at hitting better shots and shooting better scores, started in a place that wasn't where the player wanted to be. That's why you're going to swing instruction in the first place. So you need to be okay that you're not where you want to be right now, but you know what you need to do to get better, which means your job in that moment when you want to be hitting it perfectly is simply to stay disciplined to what you need to be working on and how you need to be working on it. A great example of this, for me, my to, to give you some personal experience, a great example of this is doing swing drills. My instructor, Robert Linville, gives me swing drills to do when I'm trying to adopt a new swing pattern or move or funky position that is foreign to me. Currently, right now, I'm trying to... Slow down the club face through impact, hold on to the hands, hold, the, hold that angle longer through impact so the face the isn't turning over as much. That's my, what I'm working on currently. The problem is, these swing drills are by net definition very difficult. And because they're difficult, they're super tedious and boring, and I really don't want to do them as much as I need to do them. The prescription is usually to do three swing drills. And then one normal swing, or at least if Robert doesn't say that explicitly, that's what I like to do. I like to, I like to make three swing drills that are really tough and difficult. And then one natural completely, let's just hit the ball. But quite often I get bored or physically tired and I just want to hit the ball. I just want to make full swings. But when I do that, I'm not working towards improving my swing. I'm just doing what I want to be doing. And, inevitably, I'll hit some bad shots and feel the frustration welling up. And in that moment, what do I need to do? I need to stop myself from doing whatever it is I feel like doing, and instead, stay disciplined to the plan that Robert and I have for my improvement. Because I know that my primary objective isn't to somehow magically be hitting it better this very range session, this very ball. That's always nice, And often, hitting it well right this minute is an indicator that I'm heading in the right direction. But truthfully, hitting it well is only a symptom of working hard in the right ways. So frustration is our first emotion that comes up when you're hitting it bad on the range. And staying disciplined to what you and your instructor have determined for you to work on is your tool to handle that emotion of frustration. So you might ask, what if I don't have an instructor? What do I do? How do I know what to work on? Well, I think you need to refer to the episode, What to Think if You Need a New Coach. I think it's just about essential that everyone have a second pair of eyes or ears helping them out. I know that's not the answer that everyone wants to hear. You want to know, what can I do if I don't have an instructor? I don't want to spend the money. I don't want to take the time. You're not going to get the answer you like. I think everyone... I recommend everyone get an instructor because as a whole, golfers and people are really bad at self-diagnosing. And uh, even players are really bad at diagnosing other players because they project what they are working on themselves. So I think you need to get a second pair of eyes for your swing and possibly a second pair of ears for your mental game because self-diagnosing is a long, tough road that will lead to probably more frustration. So yeah, refer to the episode, What to Think If You Need a New Coach. I went into a lot of detail there. Um, I think you could get some value out of it if you don't have an instructor. So let's move on. The second emotion that will most likely arise when you feel lost on the range is impatience. So we've got frustration as the first emotion, and now we've got impatience as the second emotion. Why are you impatient? You are impatient because you're you're not getting the results that you want when you want them. Simply put, you're not getting the results that you want when you want them. And the root of this impatience is a misunderstanding of how the learning process works. So let's go through how the learning process works in regards to learning a new skill. And you might have heard this uh, this learning process before. I think it might be called like the adult learning model or, or any number of things. I'm not sure. it's got a few different names. but when I heard this, uh, it changed the way I, I looked at learning and the, it changed the, it changed my patience level, honestly, when I'm out there trying to get better. So let's get into it. the learning process in regards to learning a new skill. The first level that we all start at with a new skill, is unconscious incompetence. Unconscious incompetence is when you lack a skill, but you aren't even aware that you lack that skill. Unconscious incompetence is, in fact, the very level that you start at before you have even begun to make a change. It's the exact level that usually prompts you to go to a swing instructor or a mental coach because you know you have a problem, but you're not sure what that problem is, and certainly you don't know how to fix it. So once you go to a swing instructor or a mental coach and they work with you to determine what is causing your bad shots or your mental struggles during the round, you step into the second level of learning, which is conscious incompetence. Conscious incompetence is when you still lack the skill, but now you're aware of it. In my experience, this is usually the longest and most frustrating level of learning because you know what you need to do, but you're unable to do it. But, you have to work through this level in order to make it to level 3. The third level of learning is Conscious Competence. This is when you have worked hard enough to gain the skill that you previously lacked, but you still have to think about the motion or the exact mantra to tell yourself before every shot. It's not quite automatic, but because you fought through the difficulties, you have the skill. You've gained that skill, even though it's not automatic. Now, in order to make it to the fourth and final level, you must really make your practice deliberate. The better you get at something, here's a a rule of thumb, the better you get at something, the harder it is to continue to get better. But once you've put in enough focused, intentional, purposeful, planned, detailed, uncomfortable, and even boring practice, you will reach level four, unconscious competence. Unconscious competence is when you can perform a skill without thinking about it. Think about driving a car. For the most part, you no longer have to think about driving while you're driving, if you've driven for long enough. Or walking. You're able to talk and think and do a number of things while you walk without having to think about every step that you take. This is unconscious competence. So in order to get to this level in golf, it takes a great deal of practice that is beyond your current comfort zone so that when you relax, you settle into a flow where you're not having to consciously think about the skill that you once had no clue about, then had to fumble your way through it, then had a decent grasp of. This is the zone when enough of your skills are at an unconsciously competent level to where you just play and nothing can shake you. You're, you're out there just performing the skill that you have dedicated to an unconscious level. So back to our second emotion that arises when you're hitting a bat on the range in those moments, you must fight your impatience with a reminder for how this learning process works and combined with our tool for our first emotion, you must simply work on what you and your instructor or coach have have determined is the skill or skills holding you back. There's no shortcut. You must work your way through the levels of learning, and patience is your best tool to do that. So having this combination of a clear vision of what you need to work on from our tool to deal with frustration, along with the patience to know what the s- levels of skill development are, and the self-awareness to know where you're at in that timeline of lear- of the learning process, you can combat those feelings during a bad range session. And, and you can fight through it in a better way and turn what would have been a waste of time going through the motions and trying to figure out on your own into a productive time where you moved yourself closer to unconscious competence. So it goes from these um, generic uh, principles to a very practical, you're on the range, being frustrated and feeling those feelings of impatience. You have the tools now to deal with it. You've got the self-awareness to know what level of the learning process you're at, and you've got the things to work on from your instructor. So apply those two. Apply that discipline, diligent uh, practice, and apply the patience to know, I will get there in the future. So what should you think if you're shanking it on the range? Stay disciplined to what you need to work on and stay patient to the process. I hope this was helpful to you. I know all of us struggle with stretches of not knowing which end of the club is up or down, so having tools to deal with those times is essential to not just your long-term improvement as a player, but as a person who is playing a fun sport. How how much does that struggle and that frustration affect your life as a whole? If you knew this is the process that I need to be on and I'm going to stay patient to this process and I'll get there when I get there and it will be a symptom of my hard work and it'll be so rewarding when I finally do get there because I stayed disciplined and I stayed patient. How much will that make your life as a whole better? How much will that improve your relationship to this fun sport that we all love and hate at the same time? So this is a holistic, this is is a a life balance thing, not just a golf thing. So I, I encourage you to apply these two tools. These two, I apply you to respond. I, I'm i sorry. I encourage you to respond to these two emotions that come up with these tools. I got finally got that out on that word salad. I encourage you to do this. I think it's super valuable for you to do this. So if you got some value out of this episode, I'd love it if you shared it with someone who is going through a tough stretch right now, or who you think tends to get really frustrated or impatient on the range, or when they're hitting it bad on the course. You know that person who always tries to fix their swing while they're playing. I think this would be a good one for them. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, go leave a review on The Mental Golf Show. All right, everyone, thanks for listening to this episode of The Mental Golf Show. I'm Josh Nichols, and I'll talk to you guys later.